Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, February 4th, 2024. My name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Canby, Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, February 2nd, 2024, are the following. At 7 a.m. Eastern Time, Big Book Study share ID number is 21096, 21,096. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study, the share ID number is 21097, 21,097. This morning, A Vision for You presents Listen Up. In the words of a very good friend of mine in these 12-step rooms, I'd like to say once again, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in this world. Thank God. This big book attracts for Overeaters Anonymous here at Vision Free over 52 countries. This is a gathering of inspiration, motivation, hope, and promise. This is the Sunday special edition of A Vision for You weekly big book study. Today, we are incredibly fortunate to have a remarkable speaker who is with us who will will really get into a topic that is both foundational and transformative for our journey in recovery. Our speaker will explore the profound importance that's absolutely necessary for approaching the language and the instructions of the big book with an open mind. The big book is much more than a textbook. It is a guide, a lifeline, and a mirror reflecting the path from despair to hope, from isolation to fellowship, from addiction to recovery. However, the true depth and richness of its message can only be unlocked when we truly listen, when we give our full attention to its words, principles, and most importantly, its spirit. Then and only then do we duplicate practically the kind of recovery that goes somewhere. We deserve that message of recovery and paying it forward precisely to another fellow guarantee that they too have the same opportunity to recover completely as we have. We are at least charged with that very important ideal. Our speaker today brings a wealth of experience and insight into how approaching the big book with openness and willingness transforms not just our understanding of the text, but our very lives. He will share with us how truly listening to the true meaning of the words The big book enables us to absorb its message fully, allowing us to then execute the plan of recovery ourselves, therefore able to articulate and carry this message to the others with clarity, depth, and weight. It's about more than just reading. It's about letting the words resonate, allowing them to shape our thoughts, shape our actions, and soften and open our hearts. This approach does not only deepen our personal recovery, it strengthens our collective mission to carry the message of hope and transformation to others that are still suffering. Today, we are invited to re-examine our engagement with the big book, to challenge ourselves to listen anew and embrace the profound impact this can have on our ability to serve an effective message as a messenger of recovery for others. This session promises to be both enlightening and inspiring, emphasizing the critical role of an open mind in the journey of recovery and the sharing of its message. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to our esteemed speaker who will guide us in understanding the pivotal role of open-mindedness in our recovery journey and in fulfilling our primary purpose to carry the message of the big book 
in the program of recovery. Please welcome this morning with a hearty vision for you. Welcome, Ken WH from North Carolina. Good morning, Ken. Well, good morning, Melanie. Thank you for that uh, terrific introduction. Uh, I am Ken WH, a recovered compulsive eater from North Carolina. So grateful to be here today. I have to start with one little quick thought that's off topic, but when Melanie said that uh, she was tickled to death to have us here (laughs) on this line, I had to laugh at a time, um, a story of a a man who was being translated uh, from English to Russian, and um, he came up before this crowd and said, I'm just tickled to death to be here with you today, and he got no response. And it turns out the translator uh, didn't know that idiom, and he proceeded to translate it, scratch me till I die. Um, <laughs> that says something about um, being really clear about what I say and how I say it to try my best to be as clear as possible, especially when I'm when I'm talking about things that have to do with recovery and what the big book does and doesn't say, what the 12 and 12 does and doesn't say. Um, so the title is Listen Up, and, and once upon a time when I would say listen up, I meant you all need to hear what I have to say because what I have to say is very important, and you need to listen up to me. Um, I have come to understand that that's, <laughs> that's so far from the truth. Um, you know, uh, uh, I have my opinions, and I used to express my opinions boldly and and profoundly (laughs) so that you would understand exactly what you needed to know. Um, This program and this disease have brought me to a place of of submission, and I realize that I don't know uh, so much after all. And so I need to listen up. So when you hear me say listen up in this talk, there's a comma, and then my name is after it. Uh, listen up, Ken. Listen to what you're saying. Be clear about what you're hearing. And um, that's so important for me anyway. It's become so important to me because I spent a lot of years not listening um, to what this program had to offer, what the big book actually says. And um, so I've had to come a long way with that. I would just start by uh making us aware that there's a really difficult word uh, to speak about in terms of recovery for me, and it's called uh, obedience. And being obedient to uh, what is the most healthy and powerful way I can go in my life, Uh, being obedient to a plan of eating and being obedient most especially to the God of my understanding And uh, that word obedience is actually two words. The second part of it is actually the word for to listen. So to be obedient is to listen or to pay attention to, really pay attention to. In other words, uh, if, if dad said do this and I wanted to be obedient, I listened and heard what he said and I did it. And it was always for my good, even though it didn't feel like it sometimes. Uh, This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you kind of thing. But uh, 
but by being obedient, I learned lessons uh, that shaped my life in many ways. And if I would listened more carefully uh, over time and not written off that adult <laughs> advice, I, I might have been in a different place today. Who knows? Regardless, um, I start off with a um, <laughs> something I heard once that I found uh, very intriguing, and it had to do with communication, and it went something like this. I know that you think you know what you thought you heard me say, but what I said wasn't what I meant. And <laughs> that just shows me how difficult it really is to communicate and how difficult it is for me to truly listen up, listen to what is being said instead of hearing and waiting for the period at the end of your sentence so that, of course, I could share the beginning of mine, which was going to be full of profound wisdom, and uh, you needed to hear it. In other words, I didn't listen to what you were saying, uh, and that went on, has gone on for more years than I care to admit. Uh, I am listening so much better today, even though my hearing is going the other direction. Uh, in terms of physical hearing, is going in a different direction. I hear, I listen so much better today. Um, my journey started uh, in 12-step recovery um, a long time ago. Uh, 1982, and I became entirely abstinent on in that year from another uh, addiction, another substance, and I have been abstinent from that substance ever since, um, and that's a miracle, and that's an amazing thing, and in the process of that recovery, I did go through the steps, and I did read uh, the big book. Uh, but I didn't study it. And I also didn't read certain parts of it. I mean, who reads prefaces? Who reads forwards? Nobody. <laughs> I don't pick up my book, my novel, and start reading uh, from the preface. I, I want to get to it. I want to know the story. Uh, in 1984, uh, I became abstinence, abstinent from another uh, legal, legal drug in this case, and I haven't had to use that drug since. This is 40 years ago. It's a long time to be abstinent, entirely abstinent from those two substances. And then a number of years later, I uh, became entirely abstinent from two other <laughs> addictions along the way. So uh, I've got four covered before I even get here. And and I have remained entirely abstinent through all of this. I became entirely abstinent in Overeaters Anonymous in 2020. That means that for 33 years of recovery, I hadn't listened up when it came to food. I didn't hear Clearly, I didn't listen to or pay attention to what people were telling me in recovery. I went to my first OA meeting probably in 1985. 
the day I got married uh, in 71, actually, uh, was my heaviest, somewhere between 2.30 and 2.40. Um, today, I, I live at a normal, healthy, physically sound weight and have been so for uh, many years, not, not many, several years now. And uh, for that, I'm grateful. But 33 years of playing around in OA. I went to my first meeting, uh, walked in. There I was, and there were about 30 women in the room. And I thought I, went, I, thought I came to the wrong meeting or went and walked in the wrong building. Um, I did not spend time there and proceeded to just leave it alone for many years. Finally got back in and kept doing the... Uh, the waltz, one, two, three, waltz, one, two, three, and um, just kind of in and out, uh, giving lip service to the meetings. In fact, I got really good at all of this. I, I memorized the 12 steps, 12 traditions, how it works, the first part of how it works. I had that all memorized. I had read the book, but I didn't listen to it. And uh, that that led to why it took so long for me to get get right with the food issue with respect to the 12 steps in the big book. Um, I, I used to hear all the time uh, at the meetings from that other addiction, don't use or don't drink, go to meetings, read the big book and pray. And that's, that's what I kept hearing all the time. And I thought, well, okay, I put the plug in the jug. I go to meetings a lot. I, I, I like the fellowship. I read the big book <laughs> at least once. And, um, well, prayer, eh, it was there, but I don't know what form uh, of any value, frankly. Uh, I just did it because I was told to. Uh, one of those things I obeyed, uh, strangely enough. Um, I would say to myself, is that all there is to it? Just don't drink, go to meetings, don't eat, go to meetings, read the big book and pray. And I said, what's all the fuss? That's simple enough. What's all the fuss? And then I would say to myself, Ken, wait a minute. Uh, you're not listening. You're hearing the words. You're reading the words. You're praying for wisdom. And you are doing everything in your power to keep the food down. I'm doing all those things. That's what I would say to myself. But what part of powerlessness, Ken... <laughs> That powerless in step one, didn't you understand? Listen up. Listen up, Ken. You've had so much to learn. Um, I would uh, hear so many strange things, frankly, in some of the uh, early meetings I went to when I finally did back in the 90s, early 90s, started back, the late 80s, early 90s, started back into OA, in and out, and uh, just pretty much... Uh, relying on uh, my other recovery uh, areas. And um, <laughs> it just seemed like it took forever to finally come to that place where, um, well, I, as I've said at other meetings, and I really like this, this phrase because it's so um, uh, cryptic in a way, uh, it's, you know, you know, when you know that you don't know. <laughs> that sounds very contradictive and contrary, but 
it really is a truth for me. I it took a long time to come to the place where I knew that I didn't know, and that's when I believe um, things started to happen uh, for me in a positive way. Um, I think of Jim's story often when I when I think of words that that um, indicate paying attention or listening, and there are many many signals for that, and I believe they're all over the big book, um, and they come in different ways and subtle ways, but they're there. And I think of Jim's story, and you know most of us know what that story is about on page thirty six. Uh, in the big book, and there's Jim sitting at the table eating a sandwich, and and then in his own words he says, suddenly, suddenly the thought crossed my mind, suddenly, and I want to say that that could easily, <laughs> and and probably would have saved him from another debacle if that suddenly that word had been listened. And so today, when something happens suddenly to me, it's a way to say, whoops, listen, listen, something's coming very quickly into your mind, uh, which you probably didn't have any control over at the moment, but there it is. Listen, listen to what it's saying to you. In his case, he listened to his own thoughts. And uh, basically, suddenly his mind said, got milk, and proceeded to get some milk and put his booze in it because that would coat his stomach and he, never mind. <laughs> it didn't work. He, he was on another debacle. Um, it seemed like a seemingly harmless rationalization to him. That's what he heard in that suddenly. That's what he heard in that thought. And um, I I just believe it would have been a totally different outcome for Jim today if that suddenly, that listen, was followed by the word God, higher power, spirit, whatever you use. Suddenly, God. And if, and if, if I can listen to that moment uh, of some, that something's happening so fast, uh, a thought coming in so fast that I don't know what to do with it, that the first response, and it takes practice, the first response would be, listen to God. Listen to what God would tell you right now. And in, in Jim's case, he probably would have, God probably would have said, get your butt out of there. <laughs> get out of that restaurant. Get on the phone and talk to somebody. That would have been listening to the power greater than myself that has a better interest in my well-being than I could ever have. And so that, that, that's part of what this sense of listen up is about. It's paying attention to those moments when I, I'm, in, I'm in a bad spot or I'm in a vulnerable spot or I'm in a perfectly euphoric spot that all of a sudden I feel so good I can't stand myself and if that's the case then then something's going on and I need to be careful 
and I need to listen to what is going on. Um, so uh, I, I think that suddenly that listen up, Jim, might be better translated. Uh, just wait a minute. Whoa. Listen up. Hey, Jim, what are you thinking? That What are you thinking is, could be a problem. And it's almost like saying, um, well, uh, we were on an airplane flight on Alaska Airlines, and Alaska Airlines is fun. The steward, uh, stewards on the plane are, are quite comical at times. Like, if the cabin pressure suddenly goes down in here, the first thing you do is scream as loud as you can, and then you put on your oxygen mask. And But then he's, as the plane landed and hit the runway, you know, you hear over the intercom, whoa, big pony. And I want to say that's kind of what was... Uh, that suddenly can mean to me that listen up can mean to me is whoa big pony slow down don't get running off where you don't know where you're going easy 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 does it settle down Ken you're going too fast <laughs> so that's uh, the premise of this my my talk today is based on all of that um and, and I, I am have been so prone in my recovery that to um, rationalize, to justify, to make try to make sense of. And um, there were a lot of things I heard in early OA that just well I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't want to do, and I could rationalize myself away from pretty easily. I I, um, I had, as I had said earlier, I had full abstinent recovery from four other addictions in my life up to the time <clears throat> I came into OA in A Vision for You in 2020. And I had all those things. And I thought to myself, so Ken, you can have, I'm thinking of the alcohol, you know, I had to plug in a jug. Well, Ken, then you can have this so-called alcohol-free near beer is what it was called. And if you ever have the chance to taste it, don't. It's awful. But it was supposedly alcohol-free or the so-called alcohol-free wine sauce because it evaporated while it was cooking. Uh well, that's baloney to start with, and it's not the point. You can hear the rationalization going on. Okay, I, I, I hadn't fully recovered. I may have been entirely abstinent physically, but my brain <laughs> um, had a ways to go. I had a lot of spiritual development to do and a lot of behavioral change to do, uh, like move away from those things regardless. I didn't need to be playing with any of that. Uh, it's just a dangerous rationalization to do that for me. And, and that same principle does transfer from, from those other issues, those other uh, addictions transfers over, and that principle transfers over to food. Uh, well, no sugar? Whew. Okay, I'll just use artificial sweeteners. Uh, low or no fat? 
Uh, no problem. I'll eat fat-free, sugar-free, frozen yogurt soft serve with a with a fresh cherry on top. <laughs> Natural sugar on top. Just dangerous rationalizations. Just playing around, dancing around the edges of real recovery. Not listening to what I was saying to myself. Listen up, Ken. What are you thinking? What are you saying to yourself? Hear yourself out. Listen carefully. It, it, it has to be for me today from that change from suddenly, from like Jim, suddenly the thought, it needs to change to suddenly, God, I need help. I need you now. I don't know where this thought's going. If I think it through really, really well, I know where it's going if it has anything to do with my addictions. But I really don't know where it's going. I, I need help. I need your power in my life to do this. So I need to listen first. I need to stop everything. Listen. Listen to what's going on here. Um, as I said, I had a lot of connection with OA, um, and I have no recollection of studying um, the doc's, doctor's opinion ever in an OA meeting. Uh, the big book was handy. <laughs> Listen to that. The big book was handy for the fourth step as a supplement to <laughs> the OA 12 and 12 questions, and any number of worksheets available online. I listened when I heard people say, well, everyone's abstinence is different, of course. We're all different. And OA literature said as much. And in one of their publications of OA was a book called Abstinence. And it talked about a whole lot of different kinds of abstinence. Um, and, and, you know, frankly, that's just what I wanted to hear. That's, that's what I heard. That's what I listened to. I wasn't listening to what the book says. I wasn't listening to what God was saying to me. I was listening to what others were saying who were at various stages of recovery and perhaps had not considered fully what they were saying. And they may not have meant what they said, but this is what I heard, this is what I listened to. I said, whoa, that's what I want to hear. No, sugar, yikes. Well, no problem. <laughs> no problem. That's okay for you, but I'm different. And I understand myself, my own abstinence, differently, don't you know? For years, I was a sugar-eating, abstinent, and I put that in quotes, abstinent member of OA. And I would say that in meetings. Oh, my God, I pray that none, nobody would listen to that. <laughs> that... that I hope you had me shut off when I started talking about those kinds of things. But that was my way of dealing with 
not wanting to be obedient to, not wanting to pay attention to or listen to what people who who had what I wanted were saying. Um, you know, I just kind of wanted it some other way. Um, no one told me <laughs> when I would say those things in a meeting, no one told me that I was full of horse hockey. <laughs> no one confronted me on saying those things. Um, and then, you know, page 58, start of how it works, you know, it was kind of like, listen, Ken, hear this. Chapter 5 is a call to rigorous honesty. Mentioned three times in that one paragraph. Yeah, but... What exactly do you mean by rigorous? <laughs> I have to laugh because that's where the brain goes. I I don't want to go there. And I say to myself, yeah, but I'm different. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what you're saying to yourself, Ken. Listen to what you're saying. And And by the way, whenever you hear somebody say, yeah, but... Um, it usually means, or should be translated, what I hear is no, <laughs> and here's my spin on it. Yeah, but in other words, I heard what you said. I didn't listen to it, but I heard it. But I got something better for you. That's what I hear. Yeah, but is no I don't agree with you, and here's my spin on it. So be careful with yeah, but. Uh, yeah, but will kick it. <laughs> kick butt. And it, it did mine for years and years and years. It was finally in, in 2020, uh, a friend introduced me um, to a vision for you. And it was at a face-to-face meeting, uh, a a regular OA big book study meeting, um, actually a pretty healthy one. And this person said, why, why don't you give uh, a vision for you a call? And in July of that same year, I became entirely abstinent in OA. And, you know, for years and years prior that time, I identified myself as a chronic relapser. And and for me, that translated as a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, I was starting, I was identifying myself as a chronic uh, relapser. That's who I was. That was my identity, my being. And so I was doomed to it, if you will. There was no way out of it. Uh, I might have periods of extended abstinence or the food was down, but I, I was miserable and eventually I would re, uh, go back to the food. Um, what I came to find out on that in 2020, it was actually on an Easter Sunday, walking in the park with my uh, my partner in life and we were talking about abstinence and what it meant, an entire abstinence. And I finally was able to say out loud, and this came out of nowhere from me, and I don't 
I didn't say it. God said it through me. I was never entirely abstinent in my life from food because my definition of abstinence included alcoholic food. So I was constantly living with the toxin in my system. The toxin of alcoholic food was constantly in my system, even though I was convincing myself, listening to myself, that I was abstinent. Um, Boy, it's a powerful disease. It's a very, very powerful disease. And frankly, I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear that I had never been entirely abstinent. But I finally, fortunately, listened. Listen to what the doctor's opinion. Oh, what an eye-opener that was. The doctor's opinion. That's a preface. (laughs) The doctor's opinion that it applied to my food addiction. Allergy of the body, compulsion of the mind. Uh, That mental twist and the physical reality that certain foods just turn me on. (laughs) Just set me on fire and get every... Uh, hyper hyper fluid in my body moving. It's just the only way to put it. Um, that's what food did to me. And the doctor's opinion made it clear to me that that's what I was dealing with. And I didn't get that sense of listening to the doctor's opinion until I got into a vision for you. And I thank God for that and all of you for being so adamant about expressing Um, uh, the content of uh, the big book and listening to what it says, what it really says. Um, You know, and I have to say that 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 sense of putting the plug in the jug or uh, not sitting down at the poker table or anything else, uh, that 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 plug-in-the-jug idea for an alcoholic, and does, that sense, that idea, that concept does transfer over to my relationship to food, my, the concept of abstinence. Um, and, and that includes the behaviors associated with it and everything that goes along with those addictions, that the, the environments it puts us into, um, put me into, <laughs> I know that, Um, those places I just kept going back to that uh, uh, met my needs in terms of addiction. Um, But that that sense of putting something down, stopping doing something in particular, does transfer over. And I did learn some of that to some degree um, in my other programs of recovery uh, that I could move over to or translate over to food, but it didn't make sense to me until I listened to the principle behind putting the plug in the jug, put the food down, don't play cards, da 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 da. It, I had to listen to others' experiences along with the actual content of the big book, the dark opinion 
the 12 and 12, uh, the things that we have before us, that I had before me to, uh, to help me on this path. Um, you know, the fact is, is I can listen to just about anyone and, and try to sort through all that I hear them saying. Um, and I may choose to keep what I like and leave the rest. But I'm going to uh, share something that I've come to learn. And I don't know that I heard it from anybody else or that I just listened to take what you like and leave the rest so long that finally God said, Ken, listen to what it's, being, what it's saying. Listen carefully because I've got something else for you, Ken, that you need. And here it is. Take what you like. Be careful because you may like the wrong thing that you're hearing. Take what you like, but store the rest. You never know when you're going to need it. Don't leave it. Don't pass it off. If if someone says something profound that you don't like and you leave it, it may be that one thing that 10 years later you're going to remember somehow or somebody's going to say again and you're going to say, gee, I wish I'd remembered that nine years ago. You know, it's, I need to put it in storage. You folk, this book, these these resources we have are packed full of wisdom. And I think even in all of our studies, this is my third time through the big book in vision. I'm just scratching the surface still of the wisdom and the depth of wisdom, the weight of the wisdom uh, I'm just scratching the surface. There's just so much there that I haven't listened to yet that can teach me so many things. And um, I, I just can't stress that enough. Listen to the literature. Listen to your fellows in this program. There's an incredible amount of experience, knowledge, experience uh, of what does work, what doesn't work, experience of despair and experience of of the uh, just deep sense of gratitude that there is another way to live than <laughs> head down in the food. Um, you know, there's so much experience, strength, and hope out there. Uh, you know, the book says our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what we in other words, what I used to be like, what happened to me, and what I'm like today. Not it. It's not talking about circumstances or anything else. It's talking about what happened in my experience, what happened in my process of coming into a state of recovery, and being able to say, indeed, I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I just need to listen a lot. Um, so I store a lot. That doesn't mean <laughs> that my mind recalls much of it. Uh, as I get older, sometimes I, I wonder how much I'm actually storing. But uh, the storage space seems to get a little smaller, perhaps, or my retriever isn't as good as it used to be. Um, but 
it's there. So, you know, the big book talks about, and it's, well, the, the 12 and 12 makes it very, very clear. Uh, it's actually on page 21 of the 12 and 12, AA 12 and 12. It says, keep the open mind, listen up. In other words, keep the open mind, listen up. Be ready to receive something new every time you go on an OA meeting, every time you dial up the phone meeting, every time you call somebody in an outreach call. It's, I need to be ready to hear something, listen to something that's going to help me. And if I don't, if I go in with preconceived notions, I can shut you off just like that. If I, if I even begin to think you don't have anything to tell me, I'm not going to listen. Why bother? You, in fact, need to listen to me. I mean, that's that, that rational, rationale going around that, uh, that thinks I know everything. Um, uh, there, there's, there, there are many things I, I've learned over time, and, and probably because I've heard uh, so many things so often around OA uh, before Vision and ap- even after Envision. Um, the I hear people say I'm struggling, and I I I once heard a person say uh, that uh, they were working with the sponsee, and the sponsee would say I'm struggling with. And the sponsor finally just came right out and said, that's the problem. That's the problem. You are struggling. Ken, you're struggling with da-da-da-da-da-da. Let go. The book tells us on page 86, we ask for God's inspiration. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. And later on in the book, it says, uh, we stop fighting anyone or anything. Listen, Ken, that's pretty clear. (laughs) What don't you hear there? You're not listening. We stop struggling. We don't struggle. We take it easy. We, We let go of the need to fight through it because frankly I have come to learn absolutely from you and my own experience that I have absolutely not enough power to do that. I must let go and it's basically taking me back to the first step. How powerless indeed are you Ken? Get honest with yourself. Get honest. Remember that thing in chapter 5? Rarely have we seen a person fail. Get honest with yourself about it. Um, I just don't have that power to struggle through and solve my own problems. I just, <laughs> it only creates more. Um, and and when I, as I continue to struggle, um, I would just block the spirit moving freely in me. I would I would block that inspiration that's talked about on that paragraph on page eighty six at the bottom. That that one paragraph references the spirit, if you will, or inspiration four times. One one paragraph. Listen to what the book says. Every one of those uh, suggestions of being inspirited 
having inspiration, that's coming from outside. And listen to what it says. Be inspired, Ken. Listen to what the power greater than yourself, who can solve your issue with the struggle that you have. Uh, listen up. Listen to it, Ken. Um, we are indeed, <laughs> and that's a gift of the program, as the book said, hooking me up to a power greater than myself that will solve my problem, will, in essence, end the struggle. It will set me free to do God's will, <laughs> because at that point, I'll be able to listen to what God's will might be for me today. But if I'm struggling like crazy with a particular, I can't hear anything. And I don't want to hear anything. Sometimes I just want to live in my struggle and wallow in my stuff. It tends to get sympathy. <laughs> uh, more pity than anything, maybe. Um, I don't want to live that way today. I, I want to be free free to move in the spirit or let the spirit move freely in me and me move freely in the spirit as well to be able to share. And I, one other thing that um, my, my wife's probably going to kill me for talking about this, but <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. Um, it's something that I've had. It's taken a long time for me to learn. At one time, this particular uh, thing that I'm going to share with you was a soapbox for me, and I was out to to prove to you and anybody else who would listen <laughs> to me uh, my point of view. But what I want to share with you with respect to this is what it has come to mean to me and why I have had to listen to others and to listen to what I was indeed saying. And getting to a place where I could say what I mean <laughs> rather than tell you what I think. Um, and this is uh, this has related to uh, a so-called slogan that has come around. I don't remember hearing it in early recovery in other programs or even in OA um, in early the earlier times I was in, but this idea of it's it's progress not perfection and i hear that a lot and <laughs> what i what i've come to understand is i have listened to what the big book has to say and i've listened to what some others have said on the line that that's not in the big book you won't find it that phrase, it's progress, not perfection, is not in the big book. You can look till you're blue in the face. You won't find it. It's not there. What is it that I and others, I, I adhere to it for a while, I and others are trying to say with it's progress, not perfection. First of all, I don't know what it is, but... Um, Progress, not perfection, is a negation. It's basically a either or. And boy, I liked either ors. Yes or no? Those were the easy questions on tests. Not the A, B, C, or D, all of the above, or A and B only, or A and C only. No. 
I like yes or no <laughs> answers. Keep it simple, Saint. And I, I, and that's what I hear when I hear progress, not perfection. I hear it's either or, mutual exclusion of one with the other. And that's not the intent of the big book. That's not what it says. That's not what I hear when I listened, listen to it. And this is just for me. This, I'm just sharing this for me. What I've come to understand is it, the book says and reads, as we always say, uh, I've heard the, the first part of the fifth chapter read more times than uh, I can even begin to imagine because it was spoken at every AA meeting I ever went to, to open the meeting for years and years and years. And I know what it says. I learned it. I memorized it. I memorized it. And I memorized I memorized it the way I heard it, not the way I listened to it. I heard the principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. And that's the way I heard it over and over and over again. That's the way I learned it, and that's the way I came to understand it. Until I put another thought that came from a whole other place up against this. And and it was a song about a place in Ohio called Morrow, M-O-R-R-O-W. And it's a song about trying to get tomorrow. And it was the person trying to get tomorrow today. You can see where the confusion is starting to come in. I'm trying to get to tomorrow. And I, for the longest time, I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where, where's that similar? And I listened. And then I listened again to what it says in the big book. And I saw myself saying the same thing. The principles we have set down our guides to progress, tomorrow, to a destination, to a place, to a stop on the train line. Whoa, wait a minute. The principles that we have set down aren't intended to get me stopped somewhere, especially in a place called progress. And boy, my mind just went (laughs) screwy. And I was out to tell the whole world the way they should read this. Of course they should read it differently. Of course they should say, the principles we have set down are guides to progress. (laughs) A verb, move forward. And then we can say, we can claim some spiritual progress rather than we can claim, or I can claim, spiritual perfection. That's what I hear the big book saying. That's what it says to me. That's what listening has brought to me. That, that, that sense of ideal, that sense of the very, very, very best is always in God's mind. Always. He wants me. My God wants me to have the best. My God wants me to be as close to that ideal that he sets up before me 
as I can be. And realizing that it's going to take a long time and leaves me the grace to make some progress along the way and sometimes regress along the way. I still get forgiveness for that, but still make some progress along the way. I needed to listen to that from my God and from others. I just keep, yeah, I'm putting one foot in the front of the other, but it's going up. It's heading towards a new destination that is beyond my grasp on my own. It's it's that ideal that's out there, and the and the twelve and twelve is so clear about this. Go read pages sixty-eight and sixty-nine, and twelve and twelve, and that the twelve and twelve are those little essays where Bob is or Bill is trying to clarify perhaps what he was really trying to say earlier in the big book, and and it fills it out. And on page sixty-eight, it just says. So the difference between the adults and the kids, the men and the boys, is the difference between striving for a self-determined object tomorrow, tomorrow or progress, rather than, or the difference, and for the perfect objective, perfect, used there, clearly, which is of God. Wait a minute. That means... I need to be aiming toward that ideal. And if it's the word perfection that causes your problem, remember that perfectionism is the disease, not perfection. Perfection is a word that comes out of God and has to do with powers greater than ourselves. Um, The remaining 11 steps state perfect ideals. Um, If we would gain any real advantage in the use of this step on problems other than alcohol, this is step six, or step one, two, we shall need to make a brand new venture into open-mindedness. We shall need to raise our eyes toward perfection. In other words, making progress toward perfection, and that's what I've had to learn. That allowed me that, that allows me some space to stumble along the way, but I don't lose sight. I don't lose sight of the real goal, which is not to make progress. The real goal is to get hooked up and tight with the God of my understanding. When that happens, I am in fit spiritual condition. I can go anywhere. I can do anything and, and be at peace. Um, so, uh, I guess I'm, I'm needing to wrap this up. Um, again, I didn't mean that to be sound like a soapbox or anything else. I hope it teaches, uh, or has spoken something in a way that you can perhaps store <laughs> for a later time or use even now or thoroughly discard if you like. This is what has been my experience with studying the big book and and doing what I can to listen to what it's really trying to say to me. What is it really, not what I want to hear, but truly what it is saying. I need to listen and then be obedient to it, be obedient to the power greater than myself that I can't say enough has 
my very best interest in mind. Y'all have led me to that in a way uh, deeply profound. I could go into a long story about how I got to where I am today, uh, which is not at all uh, reflective of where I was. Um, God's been busy, and God continues to be busy, and continues to to draw me along. And uh, sometimes I, I just see God shaking his head and saying, Oh, Ken, <laughs> oh, Ken, listen up. Listen to what I have to say. Let go of what you're thinking. Let go of that attitude. Uh, just listen to me. Relax. Stop. Stop struggling. Let me teach you through so many resources that I've made available to you. Listen up. Thanks, uh, Melanie, and for all of you on the line for listening. I hope it's made some sense, and uh, with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Ken. I really enjoyed that. What a presentation today. The emphasis and overemphasis, I think, of the word listen up just really touched my heart. Each and every time you said that, I think it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant presentation today to have in our archives. I appreciated your delivery and your message today very much. Thank you. Thank you. Be sure and stay with us till the end of the meeting, past the recording stopping, so that we can get Ken's contact information. So stick with us for that and uh, stay tuned. The share ID Number for today, February 4th, 2024, is the following, 21099, 21,099. That way you'll be able to listen to this once again. There's so much packed into this this hour together here. You're going to want to go back and take a re-listen to it so you don't miss anything. Listen up. It is critical to the heart. So the lines are now open for questions. If you have a question for Ken this morning, please unmute your phone by pressing star one on your phone keypad. Offer your first name, the first letter of your last name, and your state. And then immediately upon asking your question, would you please remute your line again so it's nice and quiet? Thank you. Nancy J. Elena J. Elena. Brenda A. Rivka. Rivka. Cheryl R. Or somebody A. Who was that before Cheryl? Brenda. Brenda A. Brenda A. And then I had Cheryl L. Is that right? Who else this morning? Irini N. Irini N. Where are you from, Irini? We'll catch that later then. Okay, so the first question today will be for Nancy J. Followed by Elena C. Good morning, Nancy. Your question this morning for Ken. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Ken. Uh, Nancy J. in California. Good morning. Recovered. Loved loved it. Such a good practical lesson for me. And, um, yeah, this should be a tool, right? Uh, Listen and be ready. Um, yeah, I also thought when you were talking about being ready to learn, to hear, you know, when I go into, just quickly, when I go into face-to-face meeting or a phone call, you know, sometimes I don't want to pick up the phone or go in, but I always get something out of it. I always get something for myself, and I hope I give give to others. But my question is, um, should I, should we uh, uh, discreetly, 
call out our fellows on their horse hockey. If it's going to cause, <laughs> your words, if it's going to cause harm, is it okay to do that? <laughs> I did. I figured I'd, horse hockey was about as mild as I could get on that. Uh, <laughs> we all know what I'm talking about. So uh, mm-hmm. much of what I had to speak of early was that. Uh, and a lot of people listen to it, and I'm sorry for that. I would take it all back if anybody listened to that and took that advice. Um, I think, as you said, the word discreetly is the key. Um, I don't think, you know, when I come to a meeting to share, um, I take a risk. I take a risk that I can easily be misunderstood because I also am aware that I may not say what I meant. (laughs) And, um, so I need, first of all, before I even respond to questions, I need to listen to what I'm thinking about it and what I'm going to say. Um, so, yeah, discreteness, I believe, is important. It isn't an issue of trying to uh, win a win a I'm a nice guy contest, but I have to ask you this. It's it's um, it's because I love you, and I want to share this with you. But this is what I heard you saying. And then I can clarify that that's, in fact, what they were saying and what they meant to say. And if so, then I can share my experience, strength, and hope that would suggest that what you were hearing was not in the best interest of of that other person, just from your own experience. That's all you can do. So, yeah, discreetly, but, uh, you know, the whole key is why. Why would you want to share that with them? Because you want the very best for them. You love them. You want the best. You want the healing. Hope that helps. Thank you so much, Nancy J., for your question from California. Elena C., your question this morning, and followed by Rivka. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Ken. It's so um, good to hear your voice and hear your voice um, during the weekdays. Um, My question is, can you say more? I mean, this is beautiful. And can you say more about Practical, like actions, actions, actions um, that you can do, that, that everybody can do, I could do, um, to, to listen more. For me, it's the breathing, for example, anchor myself in the breathing or close my eyes and then I could hear more. Um, so maybe you could share some of your actions Oh, thank you, Elena. Good question. Um, one of the things I've had had to learn to do, and I still don't do as well as I need to, is pause. It's it's leaving that that even if it's a split second of space, it's enough time for God to get in there. And um, that when I was talking about suddenly God, the practice for me is um, to do that. You know, to, that, that when that moment comes up that, that I'm listening to somebody or hearing somebody and I'm getting this other thought that wants to take me in another direction from what that person is saying, I need to pause and let God get in here so that I can listen better to what you're saying rather than think about what I'm going to say in response to what you said. Boy, that pause is 
huge when it comes to listening because my brain wants to jump in. My brain wants to interfere. My brain wants to get you straightened out, that kind of a thing. And, uh, boy, if I, if I can learn that pause. So that's one of the, one of the things I do. I also uh, pray a lot about being teachable. Um, humility is, is not an easy <laughs> task for any of us. It's, in fact, it's a gift from God, uh, and I have to let that gift play out in me. Uh, more often than it does, I admit that. Um, so prayer is a significant uh, issue, and I also need to leave, uh, let go of my preconceived ideas. And that means that, and I admit this, and I think we all do it, uh, when certain people come on the line to share, um, my brain says, I know what they're going to say. And so I don't listen real well. I have predetermined what what I expect to hear from you or anyone else. And uh, I have to practice intentionally to say, today this person is going to share something I need to hear that's going to help me in my recovery and approach it from that perspective. Boy, that's a that's a real mind shift for me. It's too easy to say, oh, boy, here he comes. He's going to talk about this. She's going to talk about that. I'm tired of hearing it. (laughs) And uh, instead, this is the day that that person is going to say the thing I absolutely need to hear. There's a story I kept hearing on a tape years and years and years ago. It was an alcoholic uh, tape, really, a cassette tape, if you all know what that is. Um, and it was Jimmy D from Texas, and and his story was, he had a sponsor who said, you know, just keep going to meetings, Jimmy, keep going to the meetings, go to the meetings, and Jimmy would go, and then one night, Jimmy decided he didn't want to go. He was tired. He didn't want to hear the same things. He just didn't want to go, and he didn't, and then he met his sponsor the next day, and the sponsor said to Jimmy, Jimmy, you missed it, and Jimmy said, "Well, well, what did I miss? Sponsor said, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You were there, weren't you? Yeah, I was there, but I don't know what you were supposed to hear. And that that's that attitude of, okay, <laughs> I, I need to go into this moment, this experience of listening in a different way than I ever have before. I need to listen to what it's saying to me. I hope that helps. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Elena, for your question. Lena from South Carolina. Rifka R., you're up next with your question, followed by Brenda. Good morning, Rifka. Hi. Um, good morning. It's Rifka R. Uh, in Baltimore. Thank you so much, Ken. That was, wow, just amazing. And I, I just always love your expression of wisdom and how you, that you in, in the big book, like it's, it's very moving and very powerful. So my question is, um, when you said, that you learn to say what I mean rather than tell you what I think. I'm just wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. What that, how how that plays out. Hmm. Yeah, that <laughs> that's a hard one. You know, communication is probably the biggest, most challenging thing that any of us have to face. Good communication. Uh, there is so much poor communication 
constantly we're constantly bombarded by poor communication. People tend to, and myself included, say things that are easily misunderstood and aren't necessarily exactly what I wanted to say or meant to say. Um, and so I have to, rather than start my mouth moving before I think, <laughs> I need to think first. I need to first stop. I need to allow God to guide my thinking and then be as clear as I possibly can in communicating what it is I'm trying to say. And that always helps at the end of that to say, does that make sense or is that clear to you? And you can tell me if it's not. And I can try another way to perhaps express that idea. And uh, I'm, I may never be able to express it exactly uh, as I would like or or that that I would convey the 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 deep meaning that I have, but I can do my best by trying to be clear about what I'm saying, being very clear about what I'm saying. Uh, and it happens with slogans. It happens with quick phrases. Um, they they can be helpful, and yet they don't say everything that I may mean when I use it. It's like saying easy does it. What does that mean? Well, I may use it in the case of, uh, Ken, don't pick up that 60-pound bag because your back's going to hurt for three months. Um, That's what I may mean by easy does it. But the book may imply something completely different. It may be what it says on that page 86 that, we take it easy, we relax, we don't struggle, meaning we, meaning for me that I let go of um, fighting what it is I may be trying to express, to let go, do the best I can to express what I think I mean, <laughs> and uh, let it go with that. Um, that's all I can do, um, and I and I hope. Um, when I do it, that I'm not misleading. I guess that's one of the other parts of the process. How how would what I'm saying right now be misleading? And and that's that indirect kind of communication. Uh, sarcasm is misleading. Um, it it assumes that you understand I'm being sarcastic or <laughs> or I'm telling a, I'm just joking. Uh, no, who knows that? No one else knows that unless I tell them. Uh, by the way, this is a joke, and I, or I don't mean what I'm saying, but this is something I heard. Uh, it, that's, it's hard. Communication is the toughest thing we've got. It's the one thing that causes more strife, more conflict in the world, and in relationships than anything else. Communication. Pat. Thank you, Rivka R. from Maryland for your question today. Brenda A., from New York, your question followed by Cheryl. Hi, Good Brenda. morning, uh, Brenda A. from New York, recovering by the grace of God one day at a time. Uh, Ken, thank you. Thank you so much um, for what I think I heard. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I truly, what I've learned, particularly in the past year, is um, 
hearing particularly what my God has to say, not what I want him to say. (laughs) And my question to you is, and I probably missed it, but can you elaborate on entire abstinence? Because that always confuses me, and I'm talking about beyond beyond food. What else do you include in entire abstinence? Uh, yeah, I'll just share what my experience has been over the years. Um, it's kind of like saying, what does it mean to be so- sober for alcoholics? And um, I can be alcohol-free and be a raving lunatic, <laughs> Um, and th- there were times in my life when I-, I remained free of my other addictions and I was crazier than a loon. Um, I was spiritually a disaster. I was, I had, my relationship to God was in the pits. Uh, I thought I knew everything there was to know about God and I didn't have a clue what it was like to be in relationship to him. Um, that That's all a part of uh, being in recovery, if you will, being recovered. It's the full uh, full Monty, I guess they call it. I don't know. They, It's that sense of having it all, the whole nine yards. It's more than just in being entirely abstinent physically. And when I use the term entirely abstinent these days, I pretty much focus on what the doctor's opinion says it is. Uh, I like to stay there with it, and I like to understand the rest of the program the rest of the 12 steps as, as a way to live, as a way to be different than I was before I became entirely abstinent. And um, so it's almost as much as saying, um, as the doctor's opinion suggests, that I be totally, entirely abstinent before I can really, really, start adjusting, having that psychic change. Um, Sometimes that happens very, very quickly for people. Bill had it. His psychic change came in a lightning bolt, so to speak, or a bright light. Mine didn't. Um, But it's come, and it continues to grow. I continue to grow in my life of faith. That never stops. That's that making, uh, that's progressing, if you will, uh, towards a higher ideal of my relationship uh, to God, but the entire abstinent part, uh, I tend to leave that with the food, uh, abstinence with the food, because as I've heard other people say, um, uh, I can be completely abstinent uh, with my food stuff and be a raving lunatic in the office, and I can, <laughs> I can, yeah, whatever. So. Uh, that's kind of my spin on it. I don't know if that's everybody's, but um, that's the way I understand the doctor's opinion, and I didn't understand that forever, for a long, long time. That the, the really the, the putting the food down and getting my body clear was a critical issue in my recovery. I pass. Thank you so much, Brenda A., for your question. Brenda's from New York. Cheryl L., your question this morning from New Hampshire, followed by Amy. Good morning. Uh, my name is Cheryl L. I'm now from Florida. And uh, thank, thank you so very much, um, Ken, for your share this morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Loud and clear. Okay, yeah, just great. come right on in. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's my first time asking a question on this, so I'm a little nervous. 
I'll listen. Um, <laughs> thank you, Ken. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, Ken, you talk about, you know, you talk about listening and, and not struggling. I, I have it written in my big book on the bottom of page 86 that I still struggle. And that's, that's the problem. Um, I don't always relax and take it easy. Um, in the nightly review process, um, Ken, we ask what corrective measures should be taken. And, you know, they don't, the answers don't come all the time. Um, in the morning, I listen to a, a meditation and it says, what is God saying to you in this? And I don't always hear what God is saying to me. Does this get better with practice? And what's your experience then with, um, with the corrective action, to corrective measures? Thank you. Thank you for the question. <laughs> Does this get better? Yeah, I, it's the old, uh, the old thing about how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Yeah, the more I practice these things, uh, the better I do get at it. Does that mean uh, I'm always really good at it? No. Does that mean uh, <laughs> I still don't say or do dumb things? Uh, no, I still do. Um, one of the, my ways of communicating in the past has been through my silence, my passive aggressiveness, and it would be in my my uh, gestures and expressions, my facial expressions. And um, I didn't have to say a word, and yet I, I would say volumes with a look on my face, whether it was disgust or questions or doubt or dislike or anything else. It showed so clearly on my face, and I had to become more and more aware of what my face was saying. And to do that, I had to ask an intimate partner, my wife, I had to ask her, be honest with me. When you see a, when you see a nonverbal, tell me about it. Because I don't know I'm doing it half the time. Tell me about it. What did it look like? And then I can learn from that and grow and I, and I think that's the whole process here. Um, yeah, I still struggle with it. And I can still do a nonverbal that, that has the potential to cause pain in, in another person. Uh, I can say words without thinking that can cause pain or aren't as sensitive as they need to be in a particular moment. Um, practice, practice, practice. Just And, and, the, and the beginning of practice and maybe it's related to listening, is awareness. I just need to be aware that these things are happening in my life. And and it's not so much, oh, woe is me, I'm always going to be like this. Well, if if I say to myself, I'm always going to be like this, I'm always going to be like this. It's that simple. Do I want to change or not? And if I want to change, things will come over time. And there are mornings I get up and listen to my meditation, don't have a clue what it was 10 minutes later. <clears throat> I just wasn't there. Uh, I wasn't able to be there. It's okay. It's okay. Um, tomorrow, you know, uh, just just go on with your day. Continue on. Keep doing it. Just, just because I didn't get something today doesn't mean I need to stop. <laughs> stop doing it because it's not doing anything for me. The reason it's not doing anything for me is because I'm not listening. So I can practice the next time to listen and say when I get up the next morning, yesterday I didn't get a thing out of it. Today I'm listening. There's something there for me. 
I'm listening. So it is practice, 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 and it's also uh, no no shoulds, no shooting on yourself, <laughs> shooting on ourselves and shooting on myself, which I did for a long, long time, is is not the least bit helpful in in progressing. It just isn't. I should be better at this than I am. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> you just are what you are. <laughs> and I'm what I am. So, uh, and do I want to be different? Yes. I'm on the right track. That's all. Thank you. Thank you very much, Cheryl, from Florida, for your question this morning. Next up is Irene N. from New York. Your question, please. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Ken, and hello to everyone that's listening. My name is Irene N. I'm from New York, and I'm a recovered compulsive eater. Ken, I had an awareness as you were sharing today, and I'm very grateful for it. Um, I belong to an in-person meeting, actually the first meeting that I found when I first came to OA that follows the meeting structure, you know, on the first, you know, the first month of the, of the first month of every year we read step one and so on and so forth until step 12, but we do not read the doctor's opinion and by group conscience, any materials that have been considered, quote, triggering to members um, have been excluded because they are considered shaming or basically um, the, the materials that I have found to guide my recovery and bring me to a state of recovery have been excluded. I really appreciate um, your thoughts around how to discreetly um, talk to individuals, do you have suggestions on um, how how to make a meeting on a group level um, healthier? Um, yeah, just I'm, I'm trying to understand how you would go about shifting the culture of a group. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's that's a tough question. Um, boy, that's a really tough question. I th- I think honesty is is the fundamental principle here. Uh, I I get nervous when I hear uh, a meeting talk about excluding something uh, that is from the basic fundamental uh, literature that we have. Um, I, I I've seen that with other literature, uh, some of it very deep and profound where certain parts have been eliminated by choice, by leadership <laughs> who teach uh, that other book. And uh, boy, that just scares the bejeebies out of me. Uh, who am I to say what needs to be in or out of a discussion? Um and and maybe there are subtle ways of suggesting that what uh, those passages that are uncomfortable are becoming so politically correct, so politically sensitive to everything that's said or not said, that um, I, I think we I can lose sight of of what is the principle, why is this here, what can this say to me? I may not like it. There are things in the big book I do not like to read. I read them. 
I read them because there's something there for me. And God's telling me, Ken, you got to go in there if if you're going to get out of it what I put in there for you. If you're not willing to go in there to look at it, Ken, you're going to miss out on something. And and I want that for you. This, this is my God speaking to me. I want that for you. And that means sometimes that I have to set aside my feeling of discomfort at something that I may be hearing read. Um, I just may need to step back, listen to it, honestly listen to it, and then take the pause, listen to God, and determine whether or not that is something I need to respond to and act on now or put in the storage closet because who knows when I'm going to need it and the chances are I will if God has directed me to it I'm going to need that and I uh, uh, if I don't encounter it I'll never have it I'll never have that arrow in the quiver so to speak to to pull out and use as I as I need um to be on target. Oh boy, a lot of metaphors there. Woo! I scare myself. Uh, <laughs> so that's all I have. Thanks. Thank you very much, Irene Ann from New York for your question this morning. Oh my, look at the time. What an amazing addition to your presentation here, these answers to the questions that were given today. Thank you again. And that's going to be the last question for today as we wrap up this time together. Just absolutely amazing. Humility packed, Ken. You could feel it in each each word that you said, the expanded wisdom that you have garnered as a result of pressing into this program and learning learning what it has to offer. Please don't any of us leave before this miracle happens because it's true. It's much more than the substance. Don't we know that, Ken? Yes. Much, Amen. much more. <laughs> it is life, life changing. So we will close within our usual fashion by reading page 164 from the big book. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as we trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. <laughs>